Think Again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 50th program of Think Again and our eighth remote program in the time of the coronavirus. Uh, We're almost a a year out now with our programs. This program is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to social change for over 20 years. I'm Jacques Boulet, and Jennifer today again won't be with us. She'll be back next week. But we'll be joined by Michael Hamill-Green from the Australian Living Peace Museum. We'll be talking about one of the initiatives Borderlands Cooperative is involved with, the making and maintaining of peace generally, and particularly the Australian Living Peace Museum. This is an online museum that everyone can visit and that is gradually being filled with many interesting stories and displays about Australian peacemakers and about historical peace initiatives and campaigns in our country. Many thousands of Australians, individuals and large groups and movements were involved in peacemaking over the years and centuries. And there is way too little awareness in our country, this country that seems to prefer building its identity on its involvement in wars. I'm talking with Michael Hemmel-Green, who has been part of many, an activist in many peace initiatives. He, he has also been one of the initiators of the Peace Museum, and he will share with us why peace deserves a much larger space in our awareness of what matters today, when we seem, again, to be sliding a new version of a Cold War. I'm thinking about all of the effluent and whatever else is being said by commentators uh, about uh, China and how dreadful China is. Michael, welcome to Think Again. Well, thanks, Jacques. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very happy to be on the program and to be talking mm-hmm. about this. And we are very happy to have you. So first off, Michael, could you just tell us a bit about your background, of course, especially in relation to peace and peacemaking, but also taking it as widely as you think relevant for this conversation. Well, what have you been and what are you now still involved in? Well, um, to start at the very beginning, I, I was one of Australia's boat people. I was a 10-pound pom with my family arriving in 1959. <laughs> of course, at, at that time, the government was busy paying your passage to come to Australia if you're on a boat, but um, now, of course, they're sort of spending billions of dollars to keep boat people away, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they're equally willing to make contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was 13 when I arrived, and uh, I went to school at University High, which you know, had a, a, quite a multicultural composition of students, including many students of the uh, from refugee families. And um, I very quickly fell in with other like-minded students and was very greatly influenced by the people like Bertrand Russell and Sartre at that time. And I was because it's location across the road from Uni High, I got involved in campaigns against the White Australia policy and capital punishment that um, uni mm. students were involved with at that time. But the big shock was 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis. That was my last year at school. 
And I joined my first peace group in the form of the Victorian Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. And I was also mm-hmm. began taking part in the um, Frankston to Melbourne <coughs> um, uh, anti-nuclear marches and disarmament marches organised by CICD. Mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. a, a great baptism in peace work for me at that, that stage. Mm. Um, later still, and this is only five years after arriving in Australia, I found myself being conscripted for the Vietnam War in the very first ballot. And um, I became absolutely horrified about what was being done to the Vietnamese people in the name of containing communism. Uh, some mm. more bombs were dropped there by the US and Australia in the whole of World War Two, all in the name of the domino theory of stopping the you know, so-called downward thrust of communism, mm. uh, particularly downward thrust to Australia. And of course, uh, the Vietnamese won that war, yet there was no downward thrust. It never happened. One million mm. Vietnamese dead and over 500 Australians dead, all in the mm. name of this anti-communist ideology, mm-hmm. which is basically just the cover for maintaining the colonial, neo-colonial mm. control over that part of the world. Yeah. So at that very point, I decided I would not be conscripted. I became a draft resistor, and I threw myself into campaigns against conscription and war, I went to jail several times for non-violent civil disobedience against the war and conscription. Currently, mm-hmm. at the moment, the, the, the listeners might be interested on the Immigration Museum website. There's a story about myself and Fran, my partner, mm. about our time underground as we were confronting conscription. Mm. So you just go to their yeah. website and you'll find that. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. of course, conscription is something that affected you, isn't it, Jacques? You were affected oh, yeah. in Belgium. Of course. Yeah, I was a little bit in, in that in that same situation, really, in Belgium. But fortunately, they gave you an alternative. And uh, right, right. instead of doing military service, I went for three years and did uh, development practice or whatever you call it in Congo of 66 to 69. So mm. do you, could you just for probably a brief minute uh, describe the context in which the Australian leave the Living Peace Museum came about. That's now six, seven years ago, as the country yes, was feverishly yes. preparing to celebrate the centenary of the First World War and, of course, of the Anzac story. Just very briefly, because we need to move on. Yes, yes, about yes, yes. yes. <laughs> well, the, the Living Peace Museum, I became involved in that, I think, around 2013. And it... it um, it was a proposal for me by Loverick at the ANU Library. So he mm-hmm. took that proposal and uh, contacted a number of peace organisations um, in Melbourne to see whether any might take it up. And um, the Melbourne Anzac Peace and Centenary Committee that I know Borderlands was very much involved with, mm-hmm. and um, myself and several others uh, did agree to, to try and take the idea forward. And uh, in, fantastically, uh, Borderlands you know, was uh, prepared to host uh, the initial meetings and... Um, has continued to provide you know, enormous support and admin support mm. in particular. So um, there's peace museums all around the, uh, the world. But this is really the first one in Australia and being online mm. accessible mm. across the whole of Australia. So huge sums mm. of money are spent on commemoration of war and wartime sacrifices. And there's a real mm. danger that the role of all the courageous people and groups who fought to end war and end violence is, is forgotten or largely invisible. Mm. So the, the, mm. the emergence was basically on October mm. 2015, we, we, we launched it online at the um, Anzac mm. Peace Centenary Forum. And uh, the first examples of um, exhibits that we have were on the First World War through to the Vietnam War, mm. as well as a few other exhibits mm. uh, on current peace organisations. Uh-huh. 
interrupt you here now because we probably should go to a to a song and a promo and we certainly come back to the story of the Peace Museum. We listen yep, to yep. Imagine by John Lennon yes. quite appropriately. Get your copy of 3CR's magnificent book. It's a stunning history of the people, programs and issues at the station since 1976. On sale now for the amazing price of just $20. Pick one up at the station or jump online and place your order. Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR. On sale now for $20. Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I'm Jacques Bouret and today I'm talking with Michael Hamel-Green about the Australian Living Peace Museum. 
Michael, what is the purpose of the museum and how has it been set up to realize that purpose? What is included in galleries and collections and why have they been included? What is their significance in the overall peace story in Australia? Well, the initiative, the, you know, the immediate galvanizing thing was the you know, to provide an awareness of peace work at, uh, in the context of all the uh, preoccupation with Anzac military commemoration. It was also mm. intended that it would be um, an ongoing resource, particularly for educational purposes. So the aim was not only to have exhibits, and, and the aim was not only to have exhibits focused on um, you know, historical peace initiatives, but also to look at contemporary and ongoing peace initiatives. Um, so that's why we, we called it a living peace museum. It's uh -huh. continuing to expand and update those exhibits and, and make them more accessible educationally, so that's part of the educational role as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's set up, um, how it's set up is as a cooperative un operating under co-op charter rules, membership open to in individuals and groups who agree with the aims and peace values of the museum. And I think you can become a member with a small joining fee of just $10 and a, a small annual membership fee. It has an elected board under co-op rules and a curatorial committee of which I'm a member and team members who maintain and update the website. We have our board meetings monthly and they take place via Zoom at the moment. And we're dependent very heavily on volunteers to work with the museum to find resources, seek grants, solicit examples of peace work and so on. So listeners out there who might be interested in any of those things, you know, feel free to contact us. Mm -hmm. um, what's included? What's, uh, what exhibits we have at the moment? Well, uh, the, if you go to the, the museum website and you do that just by googling livingpeacemuseum.org.au all in one word, uh, you quickly get a sense of the quite wide range of peace stories and peacemaker profiles that we already have. And right at this moment, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Vietnam moratorium movement in 1970. Mm -hmm. So we've commissioned a special exhibit on Jim Cairns as one of the key figures in the Vietnam moratorium and have a range of other ex ex exhibits on the um, opposition to the Vietnam War, including um, a personal memoir by Harry Van Morst, <clears throat> mm -hmm. and also a new exhibit that we, we've just put up on the um, uh, conscientious objectors uh, mm -hmm. to the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, other sort of anti-war themes uh, that, are, that you'll find on the site are the um, anti-conscription movement during the First World War. Very few people can remember that Australians voted twice in national referendum in 1916-17. This is in the middle of the, the First World War to defeat government plans to um, introduce uh, conscription for that war. And that was thanks to an, an amazing coalition of trade unions and peace group campaigns led by John Curtin and Adela Pankhurst and backing of none other than the Catholic Archbishop of Melbourne, Daniel Mannix. Uh, on an individual level, we, we have a number of profiles of individual peacemakers or activists. We have Doris Blackburn, Vita Goldstein, E.W. Cole, and um, most recently we put up um, a profile of um, the indigenous Kakata elder from Sedunia, mm -hmm. Sue Coleman Hazeldean, who's been a prominent activist within Australia mm -hmm. and internationally against nuclear testing at Maralinga and supporting mm -hmm. the UN Nuclear Ban Treaty. And uh, listeners might like to watch the uh, ABC um, TV this coming week or so. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a, a new series, a new drama about the Mar what mm -hmm. went on at Maralinga. Yeah. So You'll that would be well worth a bit of what's on the website after this little promo, because uh, time is just creeping up on yes, us. Yes, yes. Sorry, Jacques, yes.
Hi, my name's Travis from Larrakia Country, and I'm here to talk about the Reading Writing Hotline. It's a service that helps adults who can't read and write as well as they'd like to. The number is 1300 655 06. Give them a call if you know somebody who needs help with reading and writing. It's never too late to learn, and it's easier than you think. 1300 655 06. 1300 655 06. The Reading Writing Hotline. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I'm talking with Michael Hemmel-Green about the Australian Living Peace Museum. Michael, what are the usual processes to take new material into the museum? Obviously, there is the technical side of it, but there's also historical relevance and the accuracy of the stories and the continuing and ongoing search for new material. And what peace themes would you like to see further included? Right. Well, um, we... we, we, um we seek um, new exhibits um, from those who have special knowledge of experience, but also uh, we, we're open to receiving exhibits from, from anyone. With most submissions, we have to uh, you know, have something that's uh, relatively short and, and has visual aspects. You know, that's the museum context. Um, with most submissions, we have a review process. We, we give a bit of feedback. You don't have to be an academic to submit a piece. You can uh, submit a piece, and, and our, our curatorial committee will work with submitters to get that material into something publishable. Uh, but the visual materials is important, and uh, sourcing the materials um, and getting permission to use the visual materials is important. But so we've got a set of guidelines we can give anyone who wants to submit. So new exhibits that we, we, we want to see, and um, some of which are already in train, we, we're hoping to have one very shortly on Justice uh, Chris Weirmantry, the Sri Lankan judge who sat on the World Court and was based in Melbourne, um, made his home in Melbourne. So um, his principles of um, opposing nuclear weapons have now been embodied in the, the new UN ban treaty. Other exhibits that we're hoping to to uh, to have you know, uh, up on the side before too long, uh, uh, one on the frontier wars that resulted in massacres of um, mm-hmm. Australian Indigenous people, and then perhaps another on Australia's role in peacekeeping, which is often forgotten. And uh, now in the current you know, pandemic, I, I think I would like to see an exhibit on you know, courageous health workers, a comparison mm-hmm. of those workers in the 1918-19 Spanish flu and now the workers today. I mm-hmm. think that would be tremendous to have something like that. Um, so they're basically uh, the things that the, the museum relevance, um, it, I think it's more relevant than ever. I mean, we're facing this threefold crisis of the COVID-19 pandemic. We've, we've got climate change and we've got the threat of nuclear war. Um, I think most listeners be aware of the first two. The threat of nuclear war is certainly on the rise now with both Russia and America beginning to go back to the old Cold War practices of putting you know, small nuclear weapons on, on board ships and so on. And uh, mm-hmm. there's all that possibility of, uh, of nuclear war by escalation or miscalculation. So mm. uh, Russia and America are taking us backwards at the moment, and, and it's vital that uh, we, we, we look at those sort of issues as well. Yeah. So what the museum yeah. does offer is, is examples of hope in dealing with those past war and crises and showing how you can overcome even the most regressive and militaristic group, forces mm-hmm. rather, Mm-hmm. And um, it, I think it also offers very accessible ways for younger and older demographics to quickly become aware of the you know, current peace groups and current coalitions, because that's mm-hmm. the, the living part of the museum.
Yeah, yeah. That, um, that is certainly something we always wanted yeah. to do, that it becomes yes. a voice and a repository yes. of memories of all of the peace organizations who often have been concentrating on one particular point. So yes. moving yes. sort of like to the end of our conversations yet again, mm. how would you locate the relevance you already did anyway? But to go back a bit to that, to the, the relevance of the museum in what I see as a rapidly deteriorating global context of war, violence, ecological destruction, and their consequences. Well, what is your understanding of that global and local context? However, briefly, we, because we have only a couple of minutes left. But yeah, importantly, think, uh, how can listeners yes, help yes, and support yes. the museum through that, yes. uh, to, through us, to uh, you know, our work to advance peace generally? Yes, I think you know, one of the difficulties, you know, facing the, the incredible crisis we're facing now on so many levels, but there mm. are interconnections between all those levels. Pandemics uh, arise yep. you know, out of some of the aspects of climate change, and the uh, nuclear war is a you know, reflection of you know, some of the um, uh, nationalistic uh, approaches to, um, to, to war. And, and finding the connections, that's where the, the museum can particularly help by showing the, the spread of thinking across different peace groups. And it, I think it's more important than ever now for different strands in the peace environment, anti-war, uh, anti-nuclear movements, to, to, um, to be able to understand and, and work together and develop coalitions. The biggest successes on peace in the past have always been through through coalition building and, and through um, you know, mutual um, support for each other. And I think that that's where the, the museum is crucial. And also crucial in terms of getting, you know, being available to young people in schools and um, young people generally, um, being able to see what, is, what has been done in the past. I mean, so much of our media today is just the, you know, the, the, the very sort of uh, instantaneous um, current stuff without understanding how you, you, you can actually move and change things. So I think that, that's where the, the museum can play a particular role. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And don't we need that nowadays? Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> how can, just more concretely, how could people support the museum? Apart from also getting involved yes. and becoming a member yes. and all of yes. those kinds of things. Any other ideas well, about how... Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think uh, you know, becoming directly involved with us as a volunteer is, is, mm -hmm. is, is very important, and also, you know, thinking about you know what they would like to see is um, uh, if they're aware of you know peace initiatives either current or, or in the past that are, uh, have been ignored or, or forgotten about. I think uh, contacting us, um, we have uh, the peace at broadlands.org.au is our email address. You know, just just uh, email us with any ideas you have. And you know, you know, take a look at the museum website itself. You, 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 when you look at it, you probably um, see you know quite a range of things, but you may also see gaps that uh, you think mm -hmm. we we can and should be filling. <laughs> so um, mm -hmm. uh, definitely take a look at the the uh, museum website. So mm -hmm. type in uh, Living um, Peace Museum, all one word, and, and you'll get there very quickly. And it's very easy mm -hmm. to navigate within the site. You know. Yeah, and several of us are also quite happy to, uh, and I can say us because I'm still involved with it as well, quite a bit actually, uh, happy to come and talk to groups or something like that and introduce ah, yes, them, yes, but also yes. take uh, some yes. of the exhibits and show them, share them with people. Yes, yeah. yes, we're very happy to come and talk to, to any groups who want to learn more about it or mm -hmm. want to participate mm -hmm. more, absolutely, yes. Or yeah. schools and whatever it is. Yes, Thank you so yes. much, Michael. It, uh, no, it's was a pleasure to yes. hear your voice, uh, <laughs> not directly, but via this medium. And yes. uh, who yes. knows, 
probably we invite you later when we have a particular new program on and uh, in the museum, and then we can share that with listeners. Yes, well, some yes. community, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, uh, thank uh, you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some community announcements. Uh, the new community journal is now getting ready for the first issue of the year. We have been held up quite a bit, and understandably, both by the bushfire stuff and then COVID-19. And very briefly after that, we will come out with the second one. The first one will be about a bit of looking back at uh, the memories of uh, grassroots activism and what are, what is grassroots activism now doing, what what is happening there. And the next one, uh, I, we decided to actually move a little bit away from what we were initially going to do with the second issue, and that was talking with some of the students involved in the environment movement, the, the school strikes and that, because it was quite hard to reach people, to talk with them and to get their uh, contributions to the journal. So we decided to actually look at what our community is doing under the COVID-19 and have a bit of an international look there. And some really interesting material has come together there. Another issue we have discussed before, COVID-19 has really, really also exposed how unequal our education system is and how a lot of students are missing out on education because their family just can't afford all the school costs, the devices needed now, the Internet, all of these things. For many, it's made homeschooling impossible. But really, there was already a crisis. It has just become worse with the coronavirus. While we continue to campaign for the government to cover the cost of the standard curriculum in state schools, we also want to support a fundraiser to help children right now. Community information and support Victoria for CISVIC, C-I-S-V-I-C, is currently fundraising to get 50 devices to children in need. If you are on the Internet, just go to www.givenow.com.au forward slash school costs. So that is www.givenow, one word, dot com, dot au forward slash school costs, also one word. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with Jacques Boulet and my guest Michael Hemmel-Green today. Remember, if you do want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, including the online Peace Museum, you can email Borderlands borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line or call us on 9819-3239. Our programs are available by podcast in the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. And I would also like to thank Leanne at 3CR for coordinating this program today from the the 3CR studio while we were hooked up by phone. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. And to bring us into that program, we have World Turning by Yotho Yindi. Signal 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.